0: Jesus.
1: Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony And they did not love their lives to the death Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony And here is your host, Etienne McClintock Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome Thank you for joining me on the program again today I'm pleased that you are able to be with me I have a very special guest in the studio and his name is Stephen Groom Stephen, welcome to the program Thank you it's good to have you here, and I'm looking forward to you sharing your testimony. But as we start, tell us what you're currently up to. At the moment, I'm currently
2: doing a research PhD at Avondale College at Kurumbong.
1: Okay, research PhD in which area?
2: In uh, biblical studies, okay. majoring in languages. So it's the Greek of the New Testament. Specifically, the topic is the verb erchemite in Matthew 24. How it differs from the noun parousia, which is also translated as the English word coming.
1: Ah, okay. Well, that will be a very interesting subject to uh, to delve into. And uh, you enjoying the studies at the moment? Yes. Sounds very academic.
2: Uh, it is. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm coming to the end of that. I hope to graduate this year. So wonderful! And you'll graduate as a PhD. Finish. Yes.
1: Fantastic. Now, uh, your family life. Are you a single man? No, I'm married. I'm
2: married to T. Groom. Okay. From Myanmar originally. Myanmar. Yeah. Now called. But, uh, it's called Myanmar. Myanmar. It was originally called Burma. It was yes. called Burma originally.
1: Yeah. Okay. I always get confused which one is which, but Myanmar is the current name for Burma. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. And she has
2: recently graduated or she'll graduate this week in nursing. Oh, that That's is. her third degree. So she originally
1: she's a professional student like you.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she likes to work sometimes. Okay. Oh, so fantastic. she has a degree in theology, BA, and she has a master's in teaching and administration in primary school teaching. Yeah. Wow. And now she's um, got a nursing degree.
1: Mm. So your two academics got drawn together for your love for for knowledge. Uh, not, In, really, no. oh, not really, no <laughs> okay. Love for God, I think Love for God, I okay hope. Well, that's the first and foremost important aspect of anybody's life, you know To acknowledge God as creator, of course And then also a God that's made us social beings Yes uh, It's not good for a man to be by himself yeah. alone, you know? yes. Although it's good for some people God gives them that gift as well, doesn't he?
2: Paul says so Yes yeah, says it's good You know, you can A married person cares for the things of husband, but or, or the a wife. single person yeah.
1: cares for the things of the world So hmm. both have their advantages, I believe Absolutely, they do, yeah, definitely And uh, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, you caring for the things of God And how that happened in your life Can you take us back to the very beginning And just tell us uh, where you were born and uh, family and so forth
2: Yes, I originally came from Tasmania, born in Launceston And at the age of four, I remember a whole family My parents and grandparents and my father's sister All moving up to Queensland I found out later that um, It was because my grandfather was sick And he the cold was getting to him So we all decided to move up to a warmer climate And that set the stage actually for later in life Because I became I loved to travel
1: So I've uh, done a lot of travel okay. So what age was this now? that you? I was four You were four So I didn't remember much about it uh, of, Okay And the family were born into Was it a secular family or a, a religious family? That's interesting. Uh, it was a secular family. My
2: parents were non-believers. But I do remember from the age of seven, two ladies, elderly ladies, coming to pick me up by myself and taking me to the Seventh-day Adventist church for five years till I was 12 or 13. Okay. By myself.
1: Now, this is very interesting. Were they uh, friends of the family? How did this Not happen? Not at do you, all. Do you know?
2: Or I didn't know. So— And many years later, I inquired, you know, what was all this about? And they said, well, it was the wish of my grandfather, Hmm. who became a Seventh-day Adventist later in life, a Christian. He asked or he requested that his grandchildren have uh, a grounding in the faith, have a sent to church. And my parents agreed, unbeknown to me.
1: Wow. Okay. So your parents weren't really actively involved, but because of the wishes of the grant of your grandfather, so their father, yeah, they didn't stand in the way and they permitted these uh, ladies who were total strangers, I guess, initially. Yes. To come and pick you up and take you to what we call Sabbath school.
3: Yes,
2: and church, and church. But mind, mind you, let me tell you, it created a difference in standards and and conflict in the family, wow. because I'm learning uh, things like the benefit of health and the problems with smoking and drinking and the sabbath for instance mm. and i'm seeing none of those things uh, in my parents in your family. so the... when i questioned that i would be punished so i was quite confused
1: right because you've been taught one way you're learning obviously and wanting to adopt the things that you've learnt But the family are not hearing these things, so they continue in the lifestyle that they're accustomed to, which is a secular lifestyle. Yes. I can understand they're creating some challenges for you in your mind and and confusing, especially at a young age, confusing you in in the sense that you hear these standards, you'd expect that everybody would adopt them. Yes. But you see something different at home. Yeah. Wow. And uh, they, however— with the conflicts, did they ever try and stop you from going to church with these dear, dear ladies? No.
2: But by the time, after five years, when I was about
1: 13,
2: I requested not to go anymore and they, they okayed that. Okay. Um, because for me, church at that time was not, because I it was a lonely experience. Mm. And mm. so, um, Although I enjoyed what I was hearing I believed it in my heart But it was still a lonely experience I didn't know people in my family weren't going most of all Right So when I requested not to go
1: anymore They okayed that mm. So the, um, the the people you went with And the church you attended There wasn't a lot of people your age? There were some people my age, yes okay. Yes, mm. that was okay but of course, that was only one day a week, or for only for two yes. or three hours, and the rest of the time you were by yourself, uh, living yeah. in a secular environment.
2: I wanted to be with my family more than more than those uh, what I still consider to be strangers, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a Southport church, actually, on the Gold Coast.
1: Southport. Yeah. Okay, right. I do remember the Southport church. I think it's no longer there. They've, they've now moved. They've to, They moved I think, twice,
2: Nareen. actually. When I was there, it was the where the hospital
1: is. Okay, Originally. I think the hospitals moved as well now. <laughs> yes, they just closed that day. Hunter. Yeah, the, the only constant thing in life has changed. They say. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so uh, at the age of thirteen, you had things that became more important to you, and uh, you valued obviously interaction with the family. So, what happens to your life subsequent to that? Um, I don't know if maybe we should unpack just before we go there. Maybe you just unpack the, some of the conflict uh, at times. As you got older, did you realize that it was better for you just to keep quiet and not uphold the standards you were learning about in the church so that you could avoid conflict in the home? Or how did you deal with that?
2: I'll give you one instance. For instance, after a sermon I heard on health and I learned the problems with drinking alcohol, how it affected your body, and smoking, the harm it does for you, mm. I would go home and both my parents smoked. Okay. And my father, I remember, was drinking alcohol—beer. He mm. loved beer, as most Australian men do. Yes. He was drinking beer one day, and I said, "You shouldn't do that. That is not good for you." And I got a backhander for for my problems. Oh. So that's where it created the the confusion. Okay. Learning one thing, and not seeing it, and being—how uh, would you call it—disciplined on the other hand uh, for upholding that standard.
1: Okay, I see. So, you quickly learned to uh, hold your opinions to yourself, even if you believed it was the right thing.
2: Yes. (laughs) And I especially learned, uh, and it stayed with me all my life, uh, was the Sabbath. Mm. I understood that well as a child. The seventh day Sabbath belonged to Jehovah or the God of the Bible or the Christians. Mm. So, even when I was secular, I remained that way until I was 28 when I was reconverted. Up until that time, I found it very difficult I always told my employers I would not work
1: on Saturday Even before I came back to mm. the church Right, so all those years from the age of 13 to about 28 There was in your mind this thing I can't work on Sabbath But you weren't uh, a worshipper on Sabbath as such You weren't attending church It's like many people today
2: I wanted to be align myself with the God of the Bible mm. But I just didn't want to go to church It was a lonely experience from what all the time I remembered
1: Okay, your earlier experience because you were a loner in your house in regards to your worship Okay, understand That's interesting So what uh, surprises me at times, and you've just brought that out Is that people have a knowledge of truth and a knowledge about God And then what happens is uh, they still in their mind ascend to it But in practice perhaps they're not there yet and that's a common thing. So uh, there are many people probably even listening to us who may be going through the same experiences at the moment. Yes. Where they have a knowledge of the truth or some of it. Uh, they acknowledge it, but they're not practicing yet because it's, it's difficult for them or they just don't like the social uh, pressure that comes upon them for being too different. And, of course, it didn't – when as a
2: child, the understanding of uh, alcohol didn't really – Impact me that much when I was a teenager. I began drinking mm. because of social pressures and social activities. I was drinking alcohol. I could never smoke, but um, yeah.
1: yeah, I was the same the way I was raised. I thought I never liked cigarettes. My dad actually smoked for a little while when I was a young boy, and uh, I don't remember this, but my mum tells me, for example, that I saw him smoking, and of course, the glow of the cigarette in the evening, I saw it and I grabbed it. This little light. And the little light broke off between my fingers. And there was, my dad was struggling with the cigarette in his hand to try and get this little coal out burning. Yeah. And I had these massive blisters between my two fingers. My mum was so upset with him. And so he learned not to smoke in front of us then at that time or away from us. But I was probably about four or five years old when he stopped smoking.
3: Yes. Mm.
2: And you soon learn to keep your standards to yourself if you want to avoid conflict, uh, especially sure. in a family situation.
1: mm mm-hmm. Now even the Sabbath thing you know Quite often people refer to it Oh okay well look We won't interfere with your Sabbath But really we don't have a Sabbath We simply observe the Lord's day Or the Sabbath day I I think
2: think that's important The Bible says it's the Lord's Sabbath It's the Sabbath of the Lord your God God. So to enter the Sabbath You're entering his Sabbath It's not my Sabbath Mm. So he lays the laws And I choose whether to enter into The day he has
1: ordained And even Jesus in the New Testament We look at Mark 2.28 for example And there's other places as well In the Gospels where Jesus says that he is Lord of the Sabbath So it's his day Yes It's not our day But it's been given to us as a gift to enjoy our fellowship with God Worship him And then also of course have time for one another Away from our secular task and daily activity It's a real blessing Okay so uh, can you uh, talk us through now From the age of 13 through to the age of 28 uh, the influences Because there's always influences Tugging at our hearts You know, we've got the, the world And the things of the world That are distracting us And then there are also Spiritual influences So while you decide to walk away From the church at the age of 13 And not attend anymore um, And I can understand The pressures behind that Are there still spiritual influences That come from time to time Or is it all secular?
2: Yes, I I often read the Bible um, And Talk to God I used to pray to God
1: Okay, so you're not a secular person In the sense that you've totally abandoned God You're still having a relationship with God of sorts Yes But it's just not an active one Where you are participating in corporate worship
2: Yeah And I I did an apprenticeship as a painter and decorator And what used to annoy my boss Is that he would ask me to work Saturdays If he had a lot of work on Hmm. And I would tell him No, I don't work on Saturday. it's the Sabbath and that would annoy him, and he'd say, "Stephen, you haven't got a religious bone in your body." Oh, really? Because <laughs> I never went to church, and I used to drink, and and all that sort of thing. So he, he was confused, not seeing any religion in me. But, um, yeah. So I was staying. My mother, my parents split up, and I ended up going to live with my mother. And of course, she liked to party. And then I had some. Friends ring me up and they said they were traveling around Australia. Hmm. They asked if I'd like to join them. And I just happened to have a camper van at the time because I like traveling. Right. Um, mostly for weekend trips. And I thought that was a good idea. So I quit my job and I packed up, put my things in my camper van, my surfboard and my bicycle in the side the Volkswagen Combi, and I took off with my friends. And I think at the time, looking back, um, just like Abraham, like God called Abraham out of his country so he could communicate with him. Mm. God called me out. Uh, just referring to that time, God says, The Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. So um, Abraham, Abraham's father was a idolater. He used to make idols for pagan gods. And I believe that God could not really communicate with him well there. And he had to call him out to to get close to him. And I think in the same way, God called me out through these people to travel so that he can communicate more closely with me. Mm. So when you traveled,
1: you're traveling through Australia now with
2: your camper van. I traveling around Australia after a f- Some – a month or so, those friends left, but I kept traveling around the coast of Australia, and I got to the northwestern Australia, and because of my trade as a painter, I would look for work, Mm. and I I found job in uh, Caratho, It's a northwestern uh, iron ore town, and uh, there's a lot of work there, mining town, not much else to do, but work six days a week, and most of the other people would drink on Sunday, drink Mm. alcohol. And work from um, Monday to Saturday. Saturday, okay. I worked the first week on Saturday, but as you know, I would like to keep the Sabbath. And you know, all that day, um, this voice was it going through the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work and do all your work, but yeah. the seventh day. And like over and over again, all day. And I said, I can't continue to do this. So I went to my boss after this and I said, I can't work Saturdays. And he didn't understand that why. He said, no one else has their day off. And I said, I must have it off. Yeah. So by myself on Saturdays, I would get in my van and I'd go out. If you know Karatha, it's just a desert. Mm. So I'd just go east into the desert, park my van and just sit there and drink water, have a bit of food and watch the animals. And sometimes great big lizards would walk past and kangaroos and I'd go bushwalking. And it was then... I also had a Bible. Let me tell you that I was in northern Queensland. I was going through a market looking at the different things one day, and the guy just looked at me, and he, he just handed a Bible at me. I didn't take one with me. Wow. And I just grabbed it.
1: Just, just
3: out of the blue. Just out of the blue. your Bible. At he, looked like at, he looked at
2: me, and he just handed a Bible out at me. He didn't do it to everyone else, but he just did it to me, and I grabbed it, and I thought, wow. Anyway, so I had a Bible with me, and I took it to the desert with me in in the west, and started reading the Bible, and it was then that God started to get close to me.
1: Hmm. Wow. Okay. So you're out in nature. I mean, it's barren. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some animals around. Yep. And then between you know nature and the, the Word of God, God starts talking to you. And I, and I can see the connection why you would relate to the story of Abraham. Yeah. And
2: after three three months in that town, I began to distance myself as I got closer to God. I began to distance myself from these people who. Just wanted to drink alcohol and work themselves to death, basically. Mm. And I quit my job there and, and kept travelling. Um, though it was good money, um, the oh. love of money is the root of all evil, they okay. say. <laughs> yeah,
1: but the love of money didn't keep you there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I kept travelling down the west coast till I got to a place called Esperance, which is the okay. um, eastern corner of Western Australia. Mm. So there I stayed, and one Friday evening, I remember hearing a voice very clearly. I can still remember it. And it said, the Lord said, um, it's time to go back to church. And it was so audible, I turned around and said, who said that? And I was with someone at the time, and I said, did you say that? And he said, I didn't say anything. No one said anything. Mm. So I heard this voice and this um, invitation to go back to church. I knew there must be a church there. And sure enough, the next morning I found out there was a church in Esperance. It was only a small town then. It's quite bigger now, in 1988. So I went to church there, and I still remember the sermon. The sermon was on Isaiah 58, keeping the Sabbath, by an elder there, um, Pastor Slade, I believe. And so I went there that Sabbath, and I've been going ever since to church. This has happened that at the time. age of 28. 28, so, yeah, in 1988. So I went there and started going back to church at the Lord's invitation. It was a direct invitation from the Lord, mm. and I accepted that and haven't looked back since, of course. So I went back home and straight back to Queensland. I requested baptism and became a member, full-time Wow.
1: Okay, it. so uh, this is Southport Church still now or is- – no, this was in
2: Brisbane. My family had oh, moved, okay, to moved to Brisbane since Brisbane at that this time, stage. so I started going back to church.
1: Hmm. So, how long was your uh, walkabout from the time as you started on your journey to travel until the time you got to Esperance and uh, the Lord confronted you there with an, an
2: audible voice? Usually, I used to spend about a year travelling around Australia. I've been around Australia three times. Oh, so this was the first time. So, the first time I traveled around, um, yeah, I usually take. I think it took nine months that time. Okay. So like I was in Craft for three months and then I in Esperance I think I spent another three months there and I would take my time traveling from traveling town around, to town. Yeah. I might get a week's work uh, in a town and then move on.
1: Move on. Okay. Right. Well, that's interesting. I mean I've not quite come across a story like yours where people, where someone was raised, uh, you know, in a secular environment because of the wishes of a grandparent. You now end up in church from the age of about five to 13. So there's, uh, what's that, about eight good years of of education in the Bible. And that stays with you somehow, although you're still in a home where nobody else goes to church. Yes. And no one else really practices Christianity as such. And then for another, how many years is it now? Uh, Another 15 odd years, it stays with you. Yes, you're drinking, you're smoking, your whole lifestyle, everything that you've learned, you've pretty much not uh, living up to, except for the Sabbath aspect, and only once did you uh, stop uh, and, and kept and worked on the Sabbath, but that was only the one time. And when I got to Esperance, um, the
2: there was a large family, the Slades. Um, they invited me to stay with them.
4: Okay. I was with
2: them for I think a couple of weeks, hmm. and they gave me the great controversy, desire of ages that was there. Um with them that I learned that the Bible taught abstinence from alcohol. So I decided, yes, okay, I see that. Mm-hmm. I need to stop drinking alcohol. Right. And and then I did that. And um Darren Slade, I believe, that he was a teenager at the time, he's the Northern Australian Conference uh, yes, president. Yes, I have there. met Darren, yes. Okay. So he was there, he would he vaguely remembers me mm. and his father. Um, They took me in and and nurtured me for a couple of weeks And then I kept moving on from there Wow And when I went back home The reaction from my parents was They thought I was a reincarnation of my father's father So my grandfather Oh really? Who in later life had become a Seventh-day Adventist Mm. My father who rejected the message Yes Saw me as you know, as like his father, mm. who was a believer, and I felt the rejection that my grandfather must have got from him, wow, as they rejected the message, they also rejected me in mm. some ways, though I wanted to, I know how the heart of the father is he wants to get closer to us, mm. but our sins separate um separate us from him, that's right, and so I felt that for my family, I really wanted to get close to them, but My faith um, Separated me from them They thought I was a little bit You know crazy I was a cultist or something
1: Okay so you found God But they saw in your behavior And the way you were uh, A copy of what your grandfather Had become like By by meeting God as well And becoming a Seventh-day Sabbath keeper
2: And it seems too radical For them to accept me Into their closeness Because I didn't drink I didn't uh, smoke, and I didn't do the things that they considered to be. Maybe it it played on their conscience. Or enjoy. Yeah. Okay.
1: Definitely. Uh, there, there's always this conflict uh, between who we, by nature, are and what God does and he, how He changes our lives. I mean, uh, Jesus even talks about you know he talks about it in the concept of light and darkness. Yes. And how darkness does not like like the light because what happens? To the light exposes our deeds, shows that they are evil. Yes. And those who want to follow Jesus They come to the light Their deeds are exposed But they confess those They're actually taken care of as well But those who do not want the deeds exposed Obviously want to stay away from the light They reject the light And they actually end up disliking the light Yes And uh, we all have things in our lives You know that uh, are darkness And when the light uncovers it We've got two options We either shun the light Or we confess the sin that the light has revealed That it wasn't visible in the darkness and, and if we accept
2: Jesus as our saviour and we are his representatives in the world, we will feel that, that um, disassociation or rejection mm. from those who don't want to come to the light. Yes, yes. those who uh, have accepted Jesus will be attracted to us who are like-minded. Mm. But those who um, are not willing to come to the Lord, they want to stay away. They will, they will treat you like they treat
1: God. That's right. how so I understand you, you it. You get yeah. the rejection, yeah, as well. Yeah. Hmm. So, in instances like that, uh, Stephen, what would you suggest people do when there's a rejection? It's people that you care for, it's people you want to associate with, it's people you want to become close to. However, there's a a rejection. What can we do in those instances? Are we just powerless, or is there something no, that's available? No, I, to I, I found the best thing to do is
2: to be silent. The ones that, you, like family, that you have, a, you want to have a, maintain a. Um, a continuing relationship too But it can't be through the Lord you just do good works Be good to them mm. Without s- Mentioning anything religious Yeah okay. Love them mm. Um Yeah that's all you and can do And I guess do.
1: they still come up often In your thoughts
2: Yes Yeah Be good to them Buy them things Be nice to them That's all you can do And pray for them
1: Give them them a good life And hopefully the Lord can you know, Through goodness and love Can actually bring them back And of course what The other thing we can do also Is if they come to mind We can pray for them Yes And we know that the Lord Is able to work in lives And quite often I mean there's things happening In people's lives That we don't even know of Yeah And the Lord is systematically Working and bringing him Through paths That he can actually Direct their lives And
2: I would always pray That the Lord would Open up an opportunity For me to witness to them Um In minor areas so I'm always as I'm communicating with my family my mother and my father my mother recently died but I always pray Mm. that God would open up the way for me to say a word in season to those who are weary and and God would do that Mm. a word here a
1: word there yeah especially if people are a little bit down you know a word of encouragement um, that will encourage them because the Lord is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance I mean your story just before you were saying that you heard an audible voice. But God had been working your life all along. Yes. Because by nature, I mean, how weird is it for someone who's not a practicing Christian to still uphold some tenets of what they leave to be correct to honor God?
2: Yes. And some, obviously, God saw that I needed to have that audible voice. but And, and like Paul, Paul needed to have that um, well, blinding a voice light. voice as well, plus yeah.
1: there was a blinding, blinding light. light. Knocked
2: him off his horse. So anything that's needed to be done, God will do it for, for you.
1: Mm. Well, dear listener, we are just going to take a break here. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony here on 3ABN Australia Radio. My special guest in the studio is Stephen Groom. We're just going to be right back after this message, so stay tuned.
4: In the Geoscience Research Institute Library, we just completed this dog skull display, the little chihuahua. The rather strange English bulldog and the huge St. Bernard skull up here at the top are so different that if dug up by paleontologists, they'd probably be considered different species. Yet we know that these skulls came from the same species, Canis lupus familiaris. If there were only one pair of dogs on Noah's Ark, we'd expect that all the amazingly different dog breeds came from that ancestral pair And this appears to be the case. All domestic dogs look as if they descended from gray wolves. And this gray wolf skull shows what natural selection does, maintaining organisms in an elegant state of efficiency. But we can see from domestic breeds that selection can create incredibly different dog breeds. On this side of the display, we have skulls from different species of wild dogs and foxes like domestic breeds, species in the genus Canis are usually capable of interbreeding and show evidence of descent from a single kind of ancient dog. Things are not so clear with the foxes. They have a different number of chromosomes than dogs. Maybe they didn't descend from the same ancestor as domestic dogs. There are lots of theories about this, but to me, the interesting thing is that the domestic breeds show more variation than wild dogs and foxes together. One thing seems fairly sure. Wolves appear to have been created with an incredible ability to vary in ways that anticipate different conditions in the wild, as well as the different requirements of humans who love dogs as I do.
1: Dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony here on 3ABN Australia Radio. And my special guest in the studio is Stephen Groom. Now, Stephen, just before the break, you had been telling us how you were raised as a Christian, um, not in a Christian home, but from the age of five to about the age of 13, where these ladies, based on the request of your grandfather to take you to a Seventh day Adventist church, uh, these ladies had done it. And at the age of 13, you decided not to longer attend. That was uh, respected. And then uh, you went walkabout, traveling around, and at the age of 28, you hear an audible voice. Yes. Now, this is daytime. You're not dreaming. You're not sleeping at night. This is a voice that you hear out of the blue. You ask the guy who's with you if he spoke to you, but it wasn't him. You believe this to be the voice of God speaking to you, and to go to church.
2: I, but it has to be because it was the one thing I retained from my youth. I remember, and I told you that all through the time I was in the world, I still remembered the Sabbath day, word mm. for word. And so it was hard for me to um, neglect the Sabbath, especially with my experience in So the voice confirmed what I already knew. Okay. When he told me on a Friday night to go to church, I already knew that it was the Sabbath at that time. And I, the church was the next day on the Saturday.
1: Mm. So your um, memory of the Sabbath... Uh, did that always uh, did you always acknowledge God as creator or did you ever have any atheistic beliefs as you were growing up
2: no i didn't because of that grounding in in the Word from a child, I understood in the in the fourth commandment that God was the creator so in high school, for instance, when they taught the science teacher would talk, teach evolution, I never agreed with it because of that basic So your
1: connection to the Sabbath was the one that kept you away from evolution and and uh, atheism, I guess Definitely, definitely Wow, because the Sabbath is the one that actually acknowledges God as your creator And also that we are not saved by our works because it's a rest day Yes So it it connects us to God as as creator and redeemer
2: And it's interesting to note that when God wanted me to get closer to him He called me back to to his community his church of believers, where they began to help me to grow in Christ more closer. Mm. They showed me. I learned quickly that alcoholism in any form, even in, uh, in, in moderation, uh, moderation mm. is not correct. And taught the state of the dead, and so I became more um, knowledgeable in more areas okay. of the Bible.
1: Now uh, there are many churches out there. Uh, most of them worship on Sunday. Uh, but when this call came to you, you didn't even consider a Sunday church. You went straight to this a church that observed and kept the Sabbath.
2: Oh, of course, yes. And even when I was in the world, I loved to debate with Sunday keepers about the the Sabbath. Okay, and I loved to argue with them. But obviously, it was for the wrong motive. Uh, <laughs> okay, it was just for <laughs> the, the sake of, of the arguing.
1: <laughs> Understand? Okay, so you you you're obedient to the voice. So, the, so it's... God
2: was basically calling me to be. Mm. Uh, to stop being a hypocrite So I would Instead of Wow um, Arguing For the truth But not keeping it mm. He said It's time to actually Keep what you're Upholding yeah. To others
1: So you go to a church You go on first on the Friday night You find a similar Adventist church You go to this no, church No the next day The next day oh, okay then, yeah. So you go to this church They obviously Keep the Sabbath They have worship service on Sabbath um, You could easily have just said Ah oh, look I've Rejected this at the age of 13 is not for me. What keeps you there? What is it that.
2: It's very interesting because from a young age, I remember church to be a boring experience. Mm. The hymns were not exciting for me, um, and it was a lonely experience as a child. But when I went back there, there was a young man there, and he sang a song. And for the first time, I thought, wow, that is a beautiful song. And so all was the a,
1: melody and the words or what was it about both the Both of them
2: mm. and it was wonderful And I said you have a beautiful voice And then the hymns, somehow it was different I believe I experienced conversion in a some sort of supernatural element So spiritual things now had a beauty to them which I didn't have previously Exactly and I used to love and still love attending church now Whereas mm. before I didn't So something has completely changed I yeah. enjoyed hearing the word and enjoyed preaching all elements of church
1: I now enjoyed. Well, that's the change that the Bible talks about. Jesus says, you know, we need to be born from above or born again if we want to see the kingdom of God. And then he says we need to be born of water and the Spirit if we want to enter exactly. the kingdom of God. And that's God. what I learned. Wow. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul also talks about that in different kinds of language. He, he says there, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2, a matter of fact, he actually um, mentions it twice. It says that he made alive those who were dead in trespasses and sins in verse, uh, verse 1. And then in verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And it says, We were all once there, and we conducted ourselves according to that. But then when we get to verse 5, it repeats it again. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Yeah. So you had an experience now that you were dead in trespasses and sins And then all of a sudden God makes you alive He quickens you, you were born again And now all of a sudden the things that you never used to like Now you enjoy, you love them Yes. And the things that you used to like I guess now you have an aversion for them You want to put those things aside
2: Yes, but let me just say also There was an experience when I said yes to the voice All of a sudden the cloak of deception was taken away And I felt... The need of Christ I felt being a sinner I felt that um, my, my former life As I was in the eyes of God mm. How sinful I was Whereas before I was gloating In my sinfulness All of a sudden I felt sinful And the need of a saviour Wow So the cloak of deception was instantly taken
1: away So in that moment when you said Yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You heard it audibly, though. In yes. Yeah. Because you were obedient. All of a sudden, that obedience s- set you into a, a different frame of mind where the Holy Spirit then said, Okay, if you responded to this, I'm giving you more. I'm going to show you things you hadn't seen before that.
2: It was a humbling experience to mm. feel how God saw you as a sinner. And um, I tried telling my family when I went back home, and they thought I was mad.
1: Wow. So it's incredible that God can—he sees us the way we do not even see ourselves. And in that moment, you saw a glimpse of what God sees, yet God loved you regardless. Yes. Uh, So there must be an element of God's goodness in spite of who you were that he was calling you and wanting to transform and change your life and put you on a different path.
3: Yes,
2: and that has. Just remembering that former experience— keeps me on the straight and narrow whenever I'm tempted. And I am tempted mm. um, by Satan often through people, uh, through my own sinful nature to go back to my old life. But um, remembering how what God's leading in my life in the different areas, calling me out of home, speaking to me, uh, it keeps me uh, directed towards his,
1: his ways. Yeah. Well, look, just what you said there I can relate to as well. You know, it's, Satan's got nothing new in his arsenal. The conflict between him and and christ, his attack on god 's law of love and liberty is the same always, so the temptations are not new. The only thing is he sugarcoats them and he dresses them up differently, but at the end of the day it 's the same temptation
2: and and it 's a temporal uh joy mm. satan 's temptations or his his gifts are only temporal and they lead to death
1: absolutely. What happens is what seems to be joyous and exciting, and that actually is actually quite miserable and it destroys lives it destroys. Uh, Our soul, as the Bible says you know, Our mind is corrupted by it And there's no joy in it There's no satisfaction in it, not long term Short term there might be, but afterwards you feel empty And you feel worse than before And what I find with Satan is sometimes he says Come back to it And I go, well, why would I go back to that? That's horrible And then he says, well, hang on, you've not looked at it from the right angle Just change your angle a little bit And he's dressed it up from a different perspective But it's the same temptation, it's the same horrible, miserable failure And um, what's the word? You know when you expect something great to come from it It is a bitter disappointment Yes And this is what he tries to bring us through time and time again So thank you for bringing that The Bible
2: says gall of bitterness Gall of bitterness It's it's a way of avoiding the results of It's it's short term Hmm. uh, looking at the pleasures for a season But it's a neglect of eternal values Yeah And those who want to enter in eternal um, betterment of yourself Will obviously avoid the temporal joys of alcoholism Which in the end will destroy us
1: Mm, So true So you you go back You uh, after this experience Where you see things through new eyes Yes But you're not despondent and discouraged by it You're encouraged to seek the Lord To seek his forgiveness And walk in this new light That is shining upon you Yes Praise God That's so exciting So you go to the family You share it with them uh, they're not as open to it as you'd, you'd hoped, but you still keep your connection and your love for your family, and you know, wanting to be with them. Yep. Where, what happens in your life next? Where does the Lord lead you after this?
2: I went down to the Sand Hospital, and okay. I got a job in the maintenance department.
1: Still painting, or painting? Yes. Okay.
2: So I worked there for a couple of years, and uh, being around uh, like-minded Christian people, and so I was able to go to seminars and, and just grow in the faith and. Mm. and the knowledge of the truth
1: And you still have that Bible That someone had handed you
2: Or did you You've upgraded to another Bible then? I've upgraded to a few more
1: <laughs> <laughs> Since then <laughs> okay.
2: Unfortunately I lost that one. Oh,
1: yes. okay right So uh, And while you're at uh, At the Sand The Sydney Adventist Hospital Working there In the, uh, the engineering And maintenance department uh, what, Where does God lead you Subsequent to that Do you stay there For quite a number of years What, what happens
2: Then he impressed me To go back to Brisbane And I went back there For some time hmm. And then uh, I was called, I believe I was led into ministry, so I went down. Okay. To, so know,
1: what was it that actually made you feel that God is perhaps calling you to ministry? Uh,
2: first of all, I went traveling again. Okay. And So this is
1: you know, your second stint around
2: Australia, or do you go overseas? Uh, this was the third stint, actually. Oh, okay, the third so, one. So I went. Um, got as far as Cairns, and the Lord impressed me to um, sell up and go overseas. Hmm. So I sold my van and I took a flight with my bicycle. I had a bicycle in the car. and I arrived in um, Indonesia, in Bali, and I rode up through Bali, Jakarta, and into um,
1: Oh, Well, what an adventure. Malaysia. Right.
2: And then I went up to Thailand. I've been to Thailand before hmm. and always wanted to... Uh, live in a foreign country and learn a different language and okay. work there. So I worked there for several years teaching English.
1: Ah, First because you're teaching the s- English as a second language yeah. now. Okay, so you've hung up your paintbrush. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I started off uh, in the language SDA Language Centre in Bangkok for one year. Then I was sent down to Hadjai where I was there for six years mm. altogether, two years working in the language uh, department with... Seventh-day Adventist church, but then I started working for myself, teaching English and learning Thai. I got a job in a business college. I'll tell you an instance about this. And um, I was teaching 27 classes or different classes per week, one class per week, and they would learn nothing. You imagine that the society is Thai. Yeah. They only speak English. It's a small town. Mm. They would only speak English for one hour a week. So yeah. they would learn nothing.
1: That's right. How do you retain one hour out of all the hours there are in a week? So
2: the government had sponsored all the uh, schools in Thailand to hire foreigners to teach conversation English. Mm. But it's a joke really because English wasn't good enough for conversation. So we oh, would okay. teach anything. And so I asked them, what do you want me to teach? And they said, anything you like, Stephen. I think, Anything I like So I started teaching From the Bible Stories from the Bible Old Testament Yes And they would I'd write it on big cards You know Big letters Get them to read it Word for word But I was getting nowhere Mm. And I was praying about it And then the Lord Suddenly Started teaching me How to read Thai And I started translating In a matter of weeks Translating from English to Thai I was writing in English And then the same in Thai Underneath Mm. And I started to read the signs in in the street and everything. And um, anyway, so the administration, after a couple of years, called me into the office and said, Stephen, this is a Buddhist school. Why are you – we've been having complaints from the students that you're teaching Christianity. This is a Buddhist school. Are you going to stop? Mm. And I said, no, I'm not going to stop. I decided there and then I knew it was going to happen Yes, that this would happen because the students were complaining even in my classes. Mm. And I prayed about it and the Lord said, I don't care what they say. You're to teach Bible. Mm. And so I kept teaching Bible and they called me in and they said, are you going to stop teaching Bible? I said, no, I'm not. Mm. And they kept me on for another 12 months. Oh, really? I don't know why. <laughs> and I kept teaching Bible. Yeah. It was amazing. Wow. And the Lord said, do not stop. Mm. Under any circumstances And if they get rid of you Well they've rejected me Not you Mm. And I ended up After that confrontation They kept me there For another 12 months It was amazing Wow And every week It was from the Bible Mm. So these Buddhists um, I taught taught them Sabbath I taught them They are very well grounded In the Bible
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh praise the Lord
2: Yeah so, so what happens after 12 months? you decide to move on or they decide, oh, we can And then I lost my job and I thought that yeah. speaking and learning the language and becoming proficient in the language would help me get work. But I found that every door closed. I mm. found that I couldn't get a job teaching English. And then I got a, a phone call from a friend who I hadn't heard from from years. And he said, why don't you come and do ministry? And I felt it was from the Lord because he closed every other door. It was the only opportunity I had. Mm. So it was then that I came back in 2002 and began to study ministry at Avondale College and graduated in 2005.
1: Oh, okay. So you've uh, got a... Bachelor's degree. Okay, theology. Yeah. Wow. I ended up going
2: back to Thailand, actually. So after I graduated in 2005, I worked for three years as a minister in Malini. And then they had a, a job they advertised as a minister in in um, Bangkok. Okay. In, a, um, in an English church there? English International Church. So mm. I went and passed it there for three and years. And how
1: proficient are you with Thai at this time?
2: I can still read. Okay. Still read, write, and speak.
1: Mm. So when you, when you went to Bangkok at that time, so you could still speak and you still read it? And you yes. thought, oh, it would just be great just to continue to brush up on the on the language skills and obviously use your skills and what you've learned.
2: I loved it there. So I was to go out and do open um, – Evangelism. My wife would teach children's stories in the street. We would go off the Sabbath, Sabbath afternoon with a group of church members from mm. our church, and my wife would teach bi- simple Bible stories, you know, with the coloured cloth and the pictures oh, yes, from yes, the picture of felts. Yeah. felts. Yeah, and I would translate for her in the streets. So all these children, different areas, we would teach because um, they started having small English centres in the areas, and we would go around teaching children free Bible stories.
1: Now you mentioned wife. Uh, when did you get married? Well, Is there was, a story behind that?
2: <laughs> while I was over there, I met my wife's sister. She was working in Ekamai in the in the school, the Adventist school, and she told me she had a cousin who was at home, and so I started communicating by email with T. With mm. And after four years of communication, um, I agreed to go over and meet her, and and we got married.
1: Oh, Wow. Okay, so uh, once you get married, where do you live do you live? T- After we time? got
2: married, we came back actually to Kurambong. I just finished. Um, okay. Yeah. So I came back to Kurumbong, and then we went to Thailand. That was before we went to Thailand, Yep. So she was with me.
1: Okay, when well you went to Thailand. Yeah. But uh, Thai is not her first language.
2: No, she learnt it while she was there. She oh, learned to okay. speak it in three years when I was ministering there.
1: Oh, very good. So how many languages Do you guys speak Amongst your household
2: Tee can speak several I think she speaks five Wow Burmese English And then Karen And then now Thai hmm. As well as something else I'm not sure Oh okay
1: Right Fantastic So you're, uh, you're, you're out there In, in Thailand uh, You guys are teaching uh, Bible lessons on the, In the afternoons On the Sabbath And that And you minister there for Was it three years Three it?
2: three years And then I was sent To Ubon Ubon is a border town uh, in the Cambodian border. Ah, near there, okay. it's more of a country town. Hmm. And I was working with the Thai pastor, and in the in the area and helping to translate for him. A lot oh, of the into, members into there, English. Yeah, a lot of hmm. the members there are Filipino.
1: Okay, and, uh, so then so English had becomes a, the international language that everybody. Yeah,
2: they had a combination of Thai and Western speakers now in Thailand.
1: Right. Okay. So fascinating. Do you find any opposition in any of those areas with you sharing the gospel? Because you spoke about it, you know, growing up through your life that you'd experienced that people didn't enjoy or appreciate some of the things that you shared. You had that obviously when you were teaching English in the Buddhist school. Um, now, as a as a pastor working in those areas, especially the border town, was there any times where you felt uh, threatened or in danger at all, or was it all free and uh, Christianity was widely accepted as a?
2: Uh, as uh, a- Thailand is a is a. The Thailand people are beautiful people. Mm. Uh, any resistance is passive. Okay. They, they they believe um, they're actually taught from school, and you often hear them say, "All religions teach good."
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, so, to make you a good person, so they're very open to other religions mm. and uh, proselytization. What is difficult though is letting them is having them let go of Buddhism. So they believe they can add. Other religions to Buddhism uh, that Okay, is so
1: they, they are polytheists in Polytheistic, a sense. yeah Okay Because, I mean, Buddhism ultimately believes that you can also reach a state Because all of us are part of what we call God You know, there's a, a global or universal consciousness that we all need to aspire to And they teach nirvana, you know, that you can become part of that consciousness By enlightenment and meditation Yes Okay, so therefore including the teachings of another religion is not a problem
2: No not but
1: unfortunately, unfortunately for that mindset, I guess Christianity is quite exclusive. We believe in one God, the Creator of heaven and earth, who loves us, who wants a personal relationship with us. So we believe in a personal being who's a personal God, and wants relationship. Where theirs is more, you're just part of the this fabric that's called God or this force. Or
2: and a lot of religions don't understand. Jesus was uh, very exclusive. Of the fact that I am the way, the truth and the life There is no other way to God except yeah, through me Through him, that's so right So that, that's where opposition can come mm. um, That exclusivity
1: Yeah, that's right from. Yeah, And obviously God is the one who knows how to save us He understands us fully I mean the Bible even said that when Jesus was here on earth That he knew what was in man No one had to tell him He had a full grasp of that But in spite of that he loved us And the Bible is always so clear I just love it when I Probably some of my favorite Portions of scripture in Romans chapter 5 where it says that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, yes, while we were without strength. He came to save the ungodly. Yep. He even came and died for his enemy to re- enemies to reconcile them back to God through yes. his death.
2: And often you have to um, go to Jesus' type of ministry where you can only witness with words so much. The rest has to be done by deeds. Your mm. love and care for the people uh, showing hopefully… Then the Holy Spirit
1: will try and impress them of of how good you've been to them People are looking for genuine people People who not only say but also do If I just keep on telling you I love you but I'm indifferent to you Yes I don't demonstrate it in my actions, in my looks You know, in the way I interact with you And there's a caring look or a concern Then they won't believe you Yeah This is why that text there in uh, John chapter 13 verse 35 Jesus' words he says By this all men will know that you are my disciples If you have that love That self-sacrificing love for one another
2: The word there is agape So mm. it's the highest form of love Which I believe is um, Romans uh, He says that uh, For a good man some would dare to die But God commended his love to us Even while we were yet sinners Sinners, that's right Christ died for us So being willing to sacrifice for people Who are not good people yeah. That's the test You know, They'll say Why are you so good under these circumstances?
1: To love the unloving and unlovable at times, you know, that is so true. I believe that's only from God. Mm. And that principle you brought out there is also very important. It talks about for a good man, perhaps someone would lay down their life. Yeah. So for those who are worthy, we will treat them with respect and we'll treat them with love. But what about those who aren't worthy, those who maybe annoy us or those who are opposed to us? Yes. And this is where the difference between God's love and man's love comes in. The unloving people. Yeah, the, the difficult, the, those who society would even reject And uh, you probably experienced that element of rejection growing up as well Based on your understanding of the principles of God and his kingdom Yes um, And uh, that must have meant something to you But I guess it puts you in a position now where you can also have sympathy and empathy With those who might be going through the same thing Because I, when I read the, the parables of Jesus He talks about those who were invited you know, to the wedding supper they busy. they distracted. Now, I've got too many worldly things going on at the moment. I'm busy. Uh, maybe we'll do it another time. Invitation goes to them twice. These yep. are the people who were invited at the first. Yep. They may even say they're Christians. They may even say it's a Jewish nation. But it can apply to us as well, those who know. And then finally, when they reject it, they say, well, go to the highways and the byways. Bring in both good and bad. Yes. And it's, the, the encouragement is we're all bad. Yeah. And it's encouraging that God would be willing to take bad people into his kingdom, but of course he doesn't leave them bad, does he? No. <laughs> he transforms and changes
2: lives. And and I remember I have one sister who because of my faith in Christ, she she calls me an idiot, you know, and stupid and mm. and these experiences help me get closer to God because I need to get closer to God to continue to be loving to my sister who treats me like that. Yeah. It'd be so easy for me to rail back at her. Like she does at me But mm. I have to remind myself No I have to show her The love of God Though yeah. she does this to me
1: Look I often find that You know We've obviously In our lives Have wronged people as well uh, We're sometimes A little bit more blind to this But when people have wronged us And uh, they continue to do that To be reactionary like we've been in the past And it's only by spending time with the Lord You can actually genuinely have that love and regard for them And you can actually be dismissive of the way they behave Definitely Uh, That is a supernatural thing And we need to be renewed daily You know with that walk with the Lord And have his spirit
2: I think that's what what will win people to Christ When they see this supernatural element Because it's not natural The sinful nature We love only giving good to those who are good to us The the deserving ones but being good to those who hate us or kill us, and, and I think of Jesus dying at the cross, mm. you know, that those words, forgive them for they know not what they do. That yeah. is supernatural. Mm-hmm. And that, that will convert people when they see it in us.
1: That's so true. You know, even in Satan's kingdom, um, I think is it in the Satanic Bible, or anyway, they've got a 10 commandments of their own or commandments. Yep. Um, I mean, one of the things is do what they will, but the other one is also um, love those who are worthy. Yeah, where the Bible teaches to love those who are not worthy. Yes. Yeah, and that's an encouragement to me because none of us are worthy of the love of God, but God is love. He can't He can't deny Himself. We may deny Him, but He yeah. cannot deny us, yes. and He can't deny Himself. Well, we've just come to the end of part two, uh, Stephen. Thank you for coming to share your testimony. We're just going to share our contact details with you, dear listener, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned.
4: Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program. Or if you have any questions, please contact
1: 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973 3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can
4: also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you.
1: Dear listener, thank you for being here with us on By the Word of the Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Stephen Groom. Now, Stephen, uh, we've been talking through your life journey and how God has led you, and some remarkable stuff has happened in your life. For example, when you heard that audible voice and said, go to church. When you heard that voice, how did you feel about going back to church?
2: I thought, oh, no, God, you want me to go back and and be a part of that boring experience I had as a child. But I've... Looking back at that, I know that God only has the best interests at our heart. Hmm. And so saying yes to God when I thought it was wrong was the best thing I did because I'm entering into his love and his experience of something that was completely different.
1: Okay, so you 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 hear this voice. God says time to go back to church. You go back to church and go. Oh, I'm going to go through this boring experience again. You. you get to church. How boring is it when you get it there? It was
2: not boring at all. God had changed my heart and prepared me to experience church from a different angle as a converted person, so hearing you, the word of God now that was now inviting to me. Uh, yeah. The music. Um, so was, had the music was changed. Did the
1: worship service changed that much?
2: No, it was me that it changed. I think. God had oh. taken away the stony heart and given me a heart of flesh where I could was now receptive to spiritual things. Right. So I'd encourage people though things may seem in the Bible difficult to do or wrong just to go ahead because that's God's will. And it will change us
1: mm. So how do we continue in God's will And you know when uh, when God speaks to us and we respond once Do we continue to have to respond or once we've responded that's enough I think it's a
2: continual wor- uh, continual walk with the Lord It's called faith mm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God But it's not always seems to be right You know it, it, it goes against our senses sometimes You look right. at what God asks people in the Bible to do he asked Moses to pick up the snake from the tail. Yeah. Everyone knows you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's true. <laughs> Moses gained a, a valuable experience from that just as I gained uh, what I needed to do, which was go back to church to grow exponentially. I would still be backwards if I hadn't have gone back to church to learn quickly. Mm. And many people are avoiding church for different reasons, but it's God's will. It's not man's invention. Church is... God's will of community of believers To learn and grow in the truth
1: Mm, Amen And I thank you And encourage
2: one another Through hard times
1: Right Also thank you for bringing out That point about That we walk by faith And not by sight That's you quoting 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 there Yes Well dear listener Thank you for joining us On the program today It's been a delight To have your company Thank you Stephen Groom For coming in And share your testimony Thank you for having me And dear listener We look forward to Catching up with you here next time Until then God bless